This is the Key Life Podcast, where we talk everything automotive keys. We are produced and sponsored by AKG Academy. For more information, go to akgacademy.com. All right, we're back here again with JB Gates, Director of Technical Services at AKG, uh, continuing on our manufacturer's journey. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stick on the thread of domestics. Last uh, In our last session, we, we talked about GM and, and some of the interesting things going on in the GM world. Today, I think we'll, we'll dive into Ford. So JB, we can go ahead and, and get right to it. I guess, you know, we'll, can we talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that are happening in the, uh, the Ford world? Sure, of course. So Ford is not unlike GM. They had a system change in some year models in 2022, and they went to CANFD, the flexible data protocol like GM. So a, a similar type of communication. So we are experiencing some similar issues where there are, you know, some 2022 vehicles and 2023 vehicles that currently cannot be programmed by aftermarket programming tools and can only be programmed by the factory tool with a pass-through uh, using NASTAP because that's required for all security data. So we're getting a lot of calls about that and explaining to the customers the new protocol. So that's something that we're going through. There was also a new keyway added into Ford, the Ford models recently. Uh, they call it HU198. And basically it uses the same key blank as an HU101, but instead of an external cut, it's an internal cut. So we have some challenges there. The width of that internal track is two millimeters. So a lot of the key cutting machines out there on the market, uh, especially the manual duplicators were uh, fixed with a two millimeter decoder or two millimeter probe. So it makes it hard to trace and copy these keys. So we've been going through that with the customers as well. So quite, quite a few changes in the newer year model Fords. So staying on that thread, maybe we can go two tracks here, but we can start with what is the programming process? So someone who hasn't done a, a new model year can have the key programming. What is the process that they need to go through? All right. So currently with the factory programmer, you're going to need a pass through that's capable of communicating on CANFD protocol. That's going to be the, the latest factory tool. If you're using a, a VCM, it'd be CM3. Also a VCM2 will work. And then there are some aftermarket uh, interfaces out there, one made by Drew Tech, and then that same tool private labeled by AE Tools, the AEZ Flasher 3. Those are all compatible interfaces. So you would need an interface. You would need a laptop with the factory software. You would need some sort of subscription to that factory software, whether it's a per VIN or whether it's annual. And then you would also need your NASTAF membership because when you do key programming or certain module programming routines with the Ford factory software, security data is required. And when that happens, you need to put in your NASTAF credentials and you need to request that security access. And then at the end of that session, uh, you'll be presented with the opportunity to fill out a D1 form. If you don't know what that is, that is for ownership uh, information for the vehicle that you're working on. So it all has to be verified through NASTAF. And when it comes down to the past to itself, what, what are you using and, and what do you recommend? What do you like? What don't you like? Is there any differences between, between the, the, uh, the tools? So on a fundamental level, there is no difference in the tools by, by design and by offer of the manufacturers. For me personally, 
I like to stick with the factory tools. So if I'm using Ford factory software, I like to use the BCM uh, a 2 and a 3. Now, that's not to say that Easy Flasher 3, AEZ Flasher 3 won't work because it does work. Uh, I'm just one of those guys that I have ran into circumstances where a you know universally compatible pass-through is not always 100% compatible. So rather than waste time and chase my tail, I like to stick with the factory pass-through. But the one from Drew Tech and the one from AE Tools, they both do work. I have used them. So in the case of the OE or the aftermarket kind of universal pass-through, the the cost is the same, right? Because you're having to use the factory software all the same. Well, so the cost of the pass-through does vary uh, and it's not the same. You know, each manufacturer wants a little bit different cost for theirs. And then because of, you know, quote unquote, chip shortages that we've seen in recent history, the cost of the factory interfaces has really gone through the roof. But if you've had yours for a couple of years, you know, that's really not an issue for you. But regardless of what pass-through you use, the, the cost of the factory software is the same. Nothing changes with the cost the manufacturer wants for you to use their software. Perfect. And for those who don't know, where, where are you going to get that software? You would go to the Motorcraft website. You'd have to sign in and then you would purchase a subscription. So on these newer vehicles, you use a software called FDRS or FJDRS. The difference in the two is if you're using a factory pass-through or you're using an aftermarket pass-through. So you also can, if you have an IDS subscription, which is for older vehicles like your 2018 and down, typically I'll work off of IDS. 2019 and up is going to be FDRS or FJDRS. You know, if you have a valid IDS subscription, you also have a FDRS, FJDRS subscription as well. It just depends on, you know, how you want to purchase it, how you want to use it. Super helpful. So pulling on our second thread, right? Our first piece being uh, kind of the changes in the programming protocols. This, the second being this keyway change to the HU198. How, 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 are, how are folks, how are you recommending people either go back and retrofit or what new equipment are they having to invest in to be able to, to tackle those? So if you have a computerized key cutting machine, whatever your favorite brand is, most of them are all compatible with HU198. What you have to do though, is you have to make sure that you're selecting a cutter and a decoder that is smaller in diameter than two millimeters. Most of the machines on the computerized key cutting machines on the market now use a one millimeter decoder, which is fine, but you will have to use a smaller than two millimeter diameter cutter. Otherwise you're gonna cut the track too wide. And, and most machines that have this HU198 profile built in, they won't let you use a two millimeter or larger. Now, if you're using a manual duplicator, like I mentioned before, uh, there are a couple of manufacturers that are still trying to address it. And right now there isn't really a good solution you know, I've had the manufacturers tell me if you, you know, lubricate the key while tracing it or cutting it, but, you know, you're still dealing with a, a decoder or a probe that's two millimeters and a track that's two millimeters and nothing is ever exact. So even though that track is designed to be two millimeters, you'll see a small variance. And so it's really difficult. The, until the manufacturers release some new uh, probes or decoders and cutters for these manual duplicating machines, it really isn't feasible to cut those keys uh, with the manual machines right now. Great information on the uh, the new stuff here. Rewinding in time a little bit, right? Obviously, the, the majority of the vehicles on the road aren't 2022, 2023. So what, what, what tools are you using, recommending for you know, the pre-2022 
2020 vehicles in, in the Ford uh, portfolio? You know, really for me, as long as you have bought a sufficient quality tool, you're going to be fine with all the older Fords. Really doesn't matter, in my opinion, which one you choose. I will tell you some of the less expensive, you know, Chinese tools like that are original tools. I'm not talking about knockoffs or copies. They do struggle with some of the older Fords, especially the ones with timed access when they're trying to bypass it. Um, but if you're using, you know, any of the higher end tools, they all work perfectly fine. I have had my IM608 struggle a couple of times on older Fords. So for me, I tend to go back to advanced diagnostic equipment, whether it's the Smart Pro or whether it's the MVP. Well, in my case, T-Code, I don't have an MVP any longer, but regardless, as some uh, programming hardware, any of sufficient quality machine will program your older Fords without much issue. And any tips or tricks that you've identified within that, that you know, year range? Sure. Voltage is always an issue on Fords. If you're not above 12 volts on the battery, you're going to have difficulty. There's just no question about it. And there are a multitude of ways to overcome this. You know, you can use a jumper pack, but I don't prefer a jumper pack because you never know when the voltage is going to go low on those. I prefer like a maintenance charger or a maintenance power supply. If you don't have one of those, I would recommend that you hook up jumper cables from your service vehicle to the vehicle that you're working on. Uh, the diagnostic box also makes, for lack of a better term, a dongle that connects uh, in between your programmer and the OBD2 port on Ford vehicles. And it will actually, uh, has a capacitor inside there and keeps the voltage up high enough to do the programming on these. Uh, you can use that as well. It does work, but Voltage, if, if I could say it a lot of times, voltage, voltage, voltage is always an issue on Fords. And on some of the older Fords too, they have some problems with the instrument clusters where there is a malfunction with the cluster and you don't know it until you go to program keys to that vehicle. The, the keys that are currently programmed work fine. Then say the customer loses the keys. You get called out to make a key to that vehicle. You try to reprogram keys or program keys to the vehicle. You can't get them to accept. A lot of times if you can look at the instrument cluster and it has a digital mileage and you can see all dashes there, that's going to indicate a failure in the cluster or some kind of communication problem between the cluster and the PCM. And that's usually going to mean you can't program keys to the vehicle. So that's something I'm always looking at, looking at being aware of on older Fords too. Any key considerations when, when programming into a Ford, either the newer or the older, to, to be top of mind? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question. So a few years ago, Texas Instruments TI, the manufacturers of the 4D63 transponder that it's used in a lot of Ford keys, they stopped manufacturing that. And the Chinese manufacturers came out with their answer uh, of what they called a direct replacement, which, which was 4D83. And it's not quite as universally compatible as what the manufacturers of it believe that it is. So I have had some vehicles where you cannot program 4D83s to. So uh, you're going to see a 4D83 in a lot of aftermarket keys. Doesn't mean those keys are bad. It does mean, though, that some vehicles are particular. And if you try a couple of aftermarket keys from whatever supplier you choose and you have trouble, you might try to present it with an OEM 4D63 transponder. So those transponders don't lock. So for me, what I do in these uh, situations is I have a couple of older original 4D63 keys and I have take, t 
taken and ground the blades off of them and I hold them up to a mechanical key and I program that transponder to the vehicle and then I clone that transponder, put it in a shell, give it to the customer and put that original 4063 transponder back in my van so it could be used again. That's a super resourceful way to solve that problem. You know, I know, I know we've talked in the past about, about chip readers and how important they are and how they you know, you have so many different chip readers. So, so what, what do you like to use? What do you find to be the most consistent uh, from the information that you're getting? And how do, you, how do you make sure you know what you're trying to program in, right? Because the programmer is only half the equation. The key is the other half. No, that's a really good point. We run into this a lot in technical support phone calls where the customers don't have any way to read the transponder ID. And they really, really should. Uh, there's a multitude of readers out there. Uh, they, they range in price fr from fairly inexpensive, you know, a little over $100 up to, you know, $1,500, $1,800, depends on what you buy. And they all read the transponder ID pretty much equally, but some of the additional data is not the same and changes from manufacturer to manufacturer. I personally use the Miraclone a lot. It's not a real well-known one, uh, but, but it is very accurate and easy to use. So what I can say is that, again, as long as you buy one that is sufficient quality and then learn to understand the data that it gives you, you, you can work with any of them. But what we do see a lot of is <clears throat> people get confused by the data and they think that maybe they have a locked key when they don't because their particular reader, they have to go to another screen to find out if it's locked crypto or locked Manchester. So they see the word locked and they automatically think that it can't be reused. So m most of the hardships that we see with the folks that do have the ability to read the transponders is interpreting the data that the device is giving them. So, you know, learn to use whatever device you have. And if you don't have one, really should get one. Because like I said, if, if you call us for technical support and you've tried a few things and we start asking you questions like, okay, what is the transponder reading the key? And you say to us, oh, I don't know. We really have a hard time taking the tech support call a whole lot further because we're making a lot of guesses and those guesses could be wrong because we're not actually there with you. And so. And, and those differences between the readers themselves is really interesting, right? So, so you could have one reader present the data one way and completely different on another. So having 100%. that consistent supply is, is, is really critical. So, so for, for, for our listeners, if you think about a middle of the road, hey, I don't have a chip reader today. Obviously it's a fundamental tool that needs to be in the arsenal. What, what are you recommending? So if, let's say, if the mirror clone or the tango perhaps are, are out of your budget, I would recommend that you look at like the X horse, the key tool max, because it is self-contained. You can get the key tool mini and get the same readings as a key tool max, but you have to use your cell phone or some other mobile device to uh, control it. And for me, I've got too many things going on with my mobile devices. So I don't prefer to use it, but the key tool mini would work. The key tool max would work. Those are good entry levels. If you want to buy yourself something that has a lot, a lot of uh, additional capabilities of reading extended page data on these vehicles, or excuse me, on these transponders, then I would go with the Miraclone or the Tango. Got it. No, that's uh, that's definitely super helpful. So, so JB, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this before in in your long career. There's always some some 
interesting cars you've had to work on. So what's what's your what's your Ford horror story? As you think Ford back in the memory story, bank, see. yeah, programming. What was the biggest challenge you had? You know, it's interesting. Fords are finicky for you know a lot of different reasons. One of them, voltage, like you know what we just talked about. I'll tell you that really, you know, I don't know. It's a toss up for me. So there was a programmer on the market for a while that was actually writing bad dated instrument clusters in Fords and basically bricking the car. So I didn't actually have to uh, encounter that myself, but I did help another locksmith fix two or three of them. And then we finally identified what it was. So I guess for me, though, Ford vehicles that are difficult, I usually run into those problems not during key programming, but during module replacement or troubleshooting. And currently, I guess the one that sticks out in my mind is I was helping a customer and they had a 2011 Ford E250 van that was a conversion to CNG, compressed natural gas. And they were trying to reconvert it to gasoline. And they changed all the CNG parts to gasoline parts from a donor vehicle. And they couldn't make it run very good. And, and I ended up finding out that there was a custom tune in the ECM and it was locked. So we couldn't really edit that PCM. And it was a, a long, long story. I probably don't have time to go into it all here today. Uh, I had to end up using a donor ECM and building a special wiring harness to do it on the bench because there were some additional problems in the vehicle. So it was a mess, but <laughs> we, we got through it. There's a good lesson there, right? Not every job is vanilla. You know, we we we, we, we we don't love it to be just go you know, get in and out, but that's not the case a lot of the time. Yeah, so. I, I call it uh, the softball, you know, throw me a softball every time. Or, you know, I say I needed a little bit of gravy. Just just give me a little gravy, you know, just a, just a little piece. <laughs> Thanks, JV. That's great. So what else? Any, anything else you want to share with us on, on Ford before we finish up? No, I think we really covered it, you know, with the uh, changes that have come out with keyways and with programming systems in the newer vehicles. Talked about, uh, you know, voltage being a problem on the older systems. Uh, you know, the only other thing that maybe kind of sticks out in my mind is, you know, if you are originating keys to these vehicles or if a customer has a Ford vehicle that the keys don't work on the door lock. Uh, if you haven't run into this, Ford assembles those door locks with some white lithium grease. And over time, that white lithium grease gets hard and allows the wafers not to move. And the wafers either get stuck uh, above the shear line or they get stuck below the shear line and won't move. And if you don't get that white lithium grease cleared out of there, A, the key's not going to work properly. And B, you're not going to be able to lishy the door lock to decode it for making a key. So it's important to keep that in mind if you haven't run into that white lithium grease in the door locks of Ford vehicles. And how do you get it out? You spray whatever your favorite lubricant is in and run a, a blank key in and out. I personally use Houdini for everything. Uh, it's a citrus-based lubricant and works wonders as far as I'm concerned. But that's probably a conversation that people will disagree. It's a Ford or Chevy conversation. Everybody's got their own, whether it's TriFlow or CRC or Houdini or, or you know WD-40, whatever. But my, my brand's Houdini. Super. All right, JB. Well, thank you again for all the really helpful information. I, I uh, always enjoy chatting with you. And uh, until next time. It's my pleasure. Thanks a lot. If you like what you heard on our podcast today, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can get more information at akgacademy.com. We really appreciate your partnership and look forward to chatting with you again.